listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Fret Files Podcast. My name is Eric Daw, your personal guitar scientist with 25 years of experience building and repairing guitars. Sitting here beside me is my lovely co-host, Melissa. Greetings. I will read the listener-submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of questions to work through, actually, a couple pages, and then we have several calls. Neato. And we've even got news. I think we should just get into this. Okay. What do you think? Sure, let's Let's, do it. Let's do some news. Guitar News. Fender to stop using ash for guitar bodies. This is from GearNews.com. An Australian Fender dealer has revealed that the guitar maker is planning to phase out the use of ash for most of its instruments. We reached out to Fender, who have confirmed the plans. The reasons cited for the move are environmental, with climate change and a con- and a destructive pest-threatening mm-hmm. ash stocks. Mm. The original source for this rumor came from Guitar Station, a Fender dealer in Australia. From there, the story picked up momentum on the TGP forum. What does that stand for? Uh, The gear page. Oh. Uh, Where it was hotly debated. According to Guitar Station, Fender's decision to discontinue offering ash on most of its instruments is based on two developments. Number one, the Emerald Ash Borer an introduced invasive insect species from Asia that has killed tens of millions of ash trees in North America in the past two decades. Wow. American efforts to curb the spread of these pests have been futile, and now North America is bracing for the loss of billions of ash trees. That's sad, man. It really is. That really sucks. Um, And number two, flooding due to climate change. Most of Fender's swamp ash comes from the river islands in the Mississippi Delta. Flooding is common there, but global warming is causing these areas to now be underwater two-thirds of the year, effectively eliminating southern ash lumber from the market. Matt Gutnick... VP of Fender Electric Guitars, bases and amplifiers at Fender Musical Instruments Corporation, is quoted by Guitar Station with the following comment. In order to uphold our legacy of consistent and high quality, we at Fender have made the decision to remove ash from the majority of our reproduction of our regular production models. What little ash we are able to source will continue to be made available in select, historically appropriate vintage models as supplies are available. So they're only going to be using ash for their higher-end stuff, it right. sounds like. Mm-hmm. Cust- maybe custom shop stuff. Or- yeah. 
Interestingly, Fender has introduced limited edition raw ash-bodied American Performer Stratocaster and Telecaster models earlier this year. These models are still available currently, albeit for a limited time. It has been really hard to get good quality lightweight ash over the past couple years. It's just, it's always been, it gets it gets more and more difficult every year, but this yeah. year was actually like... Are you still was, using ash? Yeah. Oh, Almost every guitar. Yeah. Well, crap. Uh, it appears that Fender will still use ash on special occasions and possibly on limited runs as the Fender Custom Shop likes to have options. So although the standard instruments produced in bigger numbers won't be offered in ash, we can expect to see it on historically accurate reissues. We reached out to Fender, and they confirmed that the company is ending sales of ash bodies on most of its guitars, but there had not been there has not yet been an official press announcement. Although Fender has been informed has informed its dealer network. I don't know that they ever will do an official press announcement. And why would they? I yeah. mean, maybe they will, but um, I get it. I mean, it, you know, I only make a couple dozen guitars a year, so right. Uh, it's it's not like uh. A, a company like that who's making, you know, just scads of guitars. Yeah. They can't be using a wood that's getting harder and harder to get good quality. Right. So I understand. I hope this is good news for smaller builders like me. Maybe it'll be easier to get better quality ash now for a while, maybe. Well, for a while, but it sounds like uh Well, the world's ending be... anyway. I mean, <laughs> right. It'll just be a smoldering crater the, the, where the earth was. The emerald ash borer is the least of our yeah. problems. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. So Fender's not going to use ash except for on high-end stuff. Interesting. It is interesting. Um, this What this article doesn't mention is what uh, what what kind of wood they're going to use. You know? Yeah. But there's, there's a couple of uh, usual suspects. You know, my... I've never found a suitable replacement for ash for for me. Otherwise, I'd be using it. I I like the grain, mm-hmm. right? The look of the grain and um, the weight. Yeah. Like if you can get if you get lightweight ash, because ash is uh it will vary more. So you get some that's really heavy, some that's really light. You know, with the wood like alder, it's more consistent right. in weight. So. Um, that's one of the reasons I like ash. I like to make lightweight guitars and ash is good for that. If you can get good quality, lightweight ash, but that's good. Like I said, getting harder to find. Right. So we'll see. Here's another news story. Let's see how you like this. Okay. Guitar sales surge or have the blues made a comeback. Here's my news story. In the wake of a global pandemic sweeping across the globe, feelings of despair are being assuaged by surging guitar sales. Mm. Yeah, this, the headline is, Guitar Sales Surge, or Have the Blues Made a Comeback? I've been selling a ton of guitars under $500 online, obviously, because we can't open our storefront, says Frank Gross, owner of Thunder Road Guitars in Seattle. The types of guitars in this price range are typically representative of beginner guitars for the first-time buyer. A lot of people are bored at home, I think, continued Frank. Uh, who wrote? Who wrote? Did you write this? Oh, just a guy. Just some guy <laughs> wrote this. 
as feelings of isolation are only made worse by government orders to self-quarantine and shelter-in-place, many have turned to picking up a guitar, either for the first time or adding to their collections. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Hordes of guitar merchants have offered free shipping during the shutdown, leading many to take advantage of the unprecedented opportunity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Surging a Do you like my article? I love it. I, I, wrote, a, I wrote an article I love for the it. show. Can, do you want me to continue to read? Or you? Yeah. Okay. Surging along with guitar sales are online guitar lessons. Musicians and music teachers have utilized online video conferencing like never before to connect during COVID-19 lockdown. Even larger companies like Fender are following suit, offering three free months of guitar lessons to the first 500,000 people to sign up on their online Fender Play platform. Mm -hmm. That they, they upped that to one million the first one million people to sign Did up. they really? I think so. Uh, all of this begs the question, are there musical changes on the horizon? Guitar music has arguably been on the decline for some time now, but is that about to change? Will history repeat itself and reignite a guitar boom like the one seen in the 20th century? Will guitar-centric genres like blues, bluegrass, and jazz languish as historical oddities being kept alive by stalwart supporters finally see a resurgence? What? These are well, guitar-centric genres like blues, bluegrass, and jazz, languishing as historical oddities being kept alive by stalwart supporters, finally see a resurgence. Oh, I see. Will rock music once again return to the instrument that sparked its very creation? Who knows? But for now, the guitar seems to be making a comeback of sorts. Only time will tell how that will affect music as a whole, if at all. Look. Congratulations I'm, on your first news article. I know, it's terrible. My point is, all I wanted to say is that uh, a lot of people are buying guitars right now. Mm -hmm. That's all I wanted to say. And then I started thinking, will that change music? You know, if the people are like me, I signed up for Fender Play, and guess how many times I've done it? I don't know. Exactly zero. Oh, really? Yeah. So, mm. if... You know, you're part of the problem. I am. I'm exactly part of the problem. I got better things to do, man. <laughs> we all do. Uh, well, some of us don't, actually, is, <laughs> is the thing. That, and that's why, that's why I think guitar sales are surging. But yeah. I wonder... I mean, I was thinking about... I mean, even historically, okay. Mm-hmm. The last time... I mean, I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to be oh, talking no. about bad news here. Okay. Okay. Let's hear it. When you get enough, you get enough of that on uh, listening to, you know, real shows. <laughs> uh, th the last time there was a global pandemic like this mm -hmm. was 1918. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, oh, you know, a little over 100 years ago. Yeah, Spanish flu. And do you know what happened just after that? Uh, the blues. Oh, and that's why it was this. I didn't never even thought of that. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So, in the see, I thought the, I thought you were saying what happened after that. Uh, like it was the end of World War One, like prohibition. I don't. <laughs> is that what you mean? Well, the depression, oh, which well, we have that, that to look forward to now. Many years later, but uh, uh, well, not really. It was, well, it was eleven it was a, years later. Well, I mean, eleven years is. Nothing. You call me in 2031. Okay. Uh, my point is, 
the 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 last time there was a global pandemic, and then uh, and then a, mm. a a sharp economic downturn. Uh huh. You know, people couldn't pay their rent. Mm-hmm. Okay. People all across the countryside were saying things like "Have mercy" <laughs> and "Ah, oh, Lordy." And uh, and they were picking up guitars and they mm-hmm. were playing one, four, five yeah. c- chord progressions. If uh, it, I, you guys can't see Eric, but he has a uh, a cork board behind him with strings tied to different. Trying to explain. Yeah, he's got a, a crazy look in his eyes, <laughs> yes. and he's got a cigarette red, hanging out of my mouth. Yeah, red Listen, string everywhere. I'm telling you, everything's the, connected. The blues are coming back. Look. Any little sign I can, as a glimmer of hope, some of you hope for things like a vaccine or... I thought you were going to say a vacuum. <laughs> or uh, perhaps a paycheck. Okay. <laughs> I hope for things. I'm, I'm a simpler man. <laughs> I hope for a comeback of a long dead musical genre being kept alive by a certain, you know... Yeah, read that sentence again. Stalwarts of... Uh, I, I can't find it. I'll, I'll find oh, I'm it looking at you. the wrong paper. You're, okay. Uh, languishing as historical oddities being kept alive by stalwart supporters. That's how people view the blues. When I call, see, I t- before before this, I, no, we're not going to talk about you know the COVID nonsense that you you get in, you get enough of. Uh, but before this all happened, I was actively trying to book some gigs. Right. Right. Now. You, you want to experience rejection. <laughs> you call a club and tell them that you have a blues band. Tell tell us the story about the the Freudian slip. You went into a bar to ask about gigs, and the the bartender said something to you that was hilarious. Yeah, it was it was a riot. <laughs> Well, it was no big deal. I just, I went into, there's a club, and I've played there before, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody cares anymore. Uh, anyway, I went in there to inquire about booking, and I know the gal working the bar there has nothing to do with all that, so I'm not going to waste her time asking about booking a show. I just walked into the bar and said to the gal, can I have the contact information of the person who does your booking? And she uh, was like, yeah, whatever, you know, rolled her eyes and did a few things first and then came back to me and wrote down on a, a sticky note his email address and said the best way to get rid of him is to email him. <laughs> and I said, what? And she said, oh, the best way to get a, the best way to get a hold of him is to email him. <laughs> she was trying to get rid of me, and she said, get rid of him. Yeah, it's not that good of a story. <laughs> anyway, my point is that uh, I like the blues, and it's dead, and any little glimmer of hope I see that maybe it's making a comeback, like a real comeback. Just, All right, it's not going to happen. Yeah, just because guitars are making a comeback does not mean the blues oh, are going to make a comeback. You. I'm telling you. You're going to hear things like Slim Harpo on the radio. Oh, oh, definitely. If the blues ever make a comeback, it's going to be dad blues. It's going to be bad, oh. bad dad blues. Oh. 
Sorry. Oh, all right. Oh, Jeez. Should we take some questions? Yeah, well, we have some calls. Where are they? I don't know. Give me just a minute okay. here. I haven't listened to these. Oh, good. Oh, that was it. I almost played you my uh, my tax preparer's email. Oh, good. Voicemail. <laughs> you want to hear the voicemail of my... I'd love to. My tax preparer? I can't play it. I don't know. Let's get to the other account. Here we go. We have one, two, three, four voicemails. Wowie. And I have not listened to them, so... I, Okay, here we go. I hope that they're of good quality. I don't even hey, know. Hey, Eric and Melissa. Loving the show. Uh, listen to all of them. And I can't remember if it's been mentioned or not, but I was looking online on the Pinups Custom Guitar page about maybe ordering a guitar, and I noticed that it says um, Ash Body is recommended, <laughs> and then Alder is another option. And uh, I'm more of a Gibson guy, and I uh, haven't had a ton of experience besides, uh, well, made Mexico Strat. So I wonder if you could just maybe talk a little bit about... Um, you know, not necessarily the differences, but maybe your opinion and why you're recommending Ash. Cool. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you. Yeah, we, you know, what a yeah. coincidence. We, we just just talked about it. Um. Yeah, the reason why is because I like the look of the grain. I do a lot of transparent finishes, and uh, it's one of the woods that you can get that's very lightweight, but it's still a dense, hard tone wood. Um. And traditionally, that's what was used for those 50s guitars. And uh, it's got a good resonant tone. Cool. So there you go. That was easy. Yeah. Let's breeze through these. Uh, I cannot work my computer today. Nothing works, by the way, around here anymore. Hey, Eric and Melissa. This is Micah calling from Omaha, Nebraska. Just got done listening to the latest episode had a couple comments. Um, the the natural binding. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, it's tape, and you can simply tape it off and spray tinted lacquer, like I think you were talking about. Or if you really want to use stain, that's when it's a pain. You have to basically reverse tape off, leaving only the binding, the faux binding spot exposed seal that up three, mm. four coats, like really make sure it's sealed. Yeah. Then pull all that tape, mask it off the other way. You know, now you're covering up what you just sealed. Then you can use stains on bare wood, which also probably ought to be sprayed rather than with a saturated rag that easily wicks under the tape if you spray it like an alcohol or a water stain yeah, in a gun, but on the bare wood, that's how you, that's how you do it. Um, just elaborating on that. Second thing, sorry for the long message. That's okay. I, I personally have overset an acoustic guitar neck reset. Um, the last question on this episode I just listened to in particular, through cut saddles, um, if you have too tall of a saddle and it leans forward, um, in the case that I did, this was, of course, years ago in my younger days. I'm much better now. It cracked the bridge. It was too tall of a saddle, hmm. too much brake angle to where it actually was a, a literal brake angle, but um, ching. So if you overset a neck, the saddle at some point is too tall of a lever 
and that's structurally bad for the bridge and saddle. And some people think too tall of a saddle maybe is choking off the tone. You're drive, you're loading the top too much with string angle. Now that's a little bit speculation. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But at the very least, too tall of a saddle is not good for the saddle slot, etc. Thanks. See you guys. Right on. Right on. Thank you. Appreciate the feedback. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we were talking about the Paul Reed Smith kind of reverse binding or the unfinished wood binding. Mm-hmm. Remember, you remember that? Yeah, the faux binding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, thanks for the comments, my man. Let's go to the next. Hey, Eric and Melissa. It's Brandon calling from the cornfields of Indiana, and hope you guys are well. It's, it's and Brandon. healthy and safe, and uh, just was catching up on uh, the last two episodes today on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, also between that and uh, in- your Instagram post about that cool uh, silver tone, uh, I asked you a question about the frets, and uh, I just prompted a question that I thought might be interesting for the show. I can't remember if this has been addressed, but I'm curious when you decide how and when you decide that a guitar needs refretted and also i mean i know there's like a kind of a minimum height uh fret height that that factors in there but at what point do you decide that a guitar needs refretted and also uh what is the the barometer that you use to decide when a guitar needs a a full-on fret dress with kind of leveling and crowning and and all of that um just curious you know how much you'll put up with before you take some of those more drastic measures. We talk a little bit about that. Thanks so much. So when I'm looking at a guitar um, that needs possibly refretting, uh, I'm looking at the fret wear. You know, the it, the it will wear in grooves, right? You'll see a groove underneath each string. And the worse the grooves get, um, the more prone the guitar is to buzzing. Okay, so it just depends on how bad the wear is as far as, you know, at what point you refret. So you look at the wear, you play the guitar. Um, it it basically, I mean, it's like looking at the tread of tires. You just kind of know. And I've got, I have a, uh, a micrometer that uh, I got from Stuart McDonald, and it has a little... It has a little notch in the back end, so you can, you can put it flat against the fingerboard with... Um, the fret uh, right in the middle, and it will measure the height of the fret real easily. So, uh, you know, you can kind of see what's going on, the highest point and the lowest point of the frets. And uh, when, just from experience, I mean, just looking at how bad the grooves are, when the grooves are are really bad, then you have to get to a point where you're going to say, okay, it's time to refret. And when that happens... A lot of times that depends on the player, you know, um, because different players prefer different fret heights, right? right? So if you like really big frets um, and you've got a lot of fret wear on your big fret guitar, uh, we can, uh, you could do a fret level there, but you lose a lot of height. And so you end up with a good fresh fret surface that it looks like a refret, but it's 
just new frets. They're just smaller than your old frets, right? They're not new frets. They're just right. resurfaced. So, uh, but if you but if you like really big frets, then we've just shrunk your frets. So it depends on the player, right? Um, some players don't mind a small fret, and you can go smaller. But measuring the height will tell you a lot because if you've got some that are, you know, fifty thousandths tall, and then it's then it's down to twenty thousandths in some sections, you're going to have to take everything down to twenty thousandths, and that's pretty tiny. You you know that's a that's you, probably smaller than you could go. So, um, you know, probably uh, anything below thirty thousandths is is getting getting pretty pretty worn out. But uh, did I answer his questions? I hope so. I think so. Yeah, well. Next call. Hi, this is Joe in Denver, walking around the empty streets of Denver during my lunch break. Uh, I thought I would ask a follow-up question to one I heard on a recent episode around uh, nut slots that were cut too deep. Um, In the past, you've mentioned that situation and needing a new nut. Uh, I'm curious about the the quick fixes I've seen online, uh, acknowledging that a new nut is always best, but um, I've seen a fix around filling the slot with super glue and uh, baking soda. There's one about super glue and bone dust. Um, I saw one about just using some kind of UV cured glue. And I'm um, just kind of curious what you think about those fixes. Uh, if you can't get a new nut right away and maybe you just messed up and need it. To, to get her done. Um, and are there any other quick temporary fixes that you would recommend? Thanks. Appreciate it. No, I'm with you. There's, those are, those are quick fixes and you know, an, a new nut is the best option when the slots are worn out. Sometimes that's not an option because of time constraints or whatever the deal is. If you're going to do the quick fix deal, the, the one of the reasons why it's temporary is that will wear faster than you know whatever the nut is made out of hard plastic or bone or whatever um super glue and mixed mixed with you know whatever super glue mixed with bone powder or whatever um will wear out faster than just a bone nut so you're going to be back to where you started before too terribly long uh that's why it's you know i mean it it works fine for a you know, probably kind of a long time, but um, not not as long as just the nut surface would last. Right. Yeah. So that's why it's not a very good fix. Uh, because super glue isn't that great of a surface for a string to rest on. But uh, if if you had to, you use bone dust, not baking soda or whatever else he said. Uh, yeah. You. I mean, either one, I guess. Either one. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that does it for calls. Let's take some uh, some emails here. Oh, well, let's start at the beginning. Letters. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Hi, guys. Eric, is there any way to tell the different grades of Alnico apart? I have a mix of Alnico magnets, and I don't know if some of it is Alnico 2 or 3 or 5 or what. Mm. I'm hoping there's an easy way to tell the different grades apart, like some grades are shinier than others, or perhaps there's a weight difference. Thanks. That's from Scott. Yeah, Scott, I have bad news for you. 
there's there's no way and it's it it can be a problem um the only way that i know of there is a way but it involves using a gauss meter which most of us don't have a gauss meter right so um but you know you can compare uh the gauss of fully charged magnets uh, you know, and then you would be able to, to, to determine because of the magnetic strength. Um, Elnico 5 is a stronger magnet than Elnico 2, so. Uh, but no, the look is the same. Uh, the weight, I don't, you know, I assume it's the same, but yeah, I, that's, that's the only way I know is, is with a Gauss meter. Hmm. Yeah, not, not the easiest thing. Sorry. Can we get into the mechanics of a, of a reverse inline six-tuner headstock arrangement? Majority experience tells us that all things being equal, it makes the higher strings feel looser while bending, while making the lower strings feel tighter. Something to do with the elasticity of the string from anchor to tuning machine length being changed. My question is, when not bending, does the low string exert more tension by virtue of the longer, more elastic state of having the machine now farther from the nut, now needing to be winded up more to achieve the desired pitch? Does this effect make it helpful for drop detunings and the like, or resisting the hard strums effect of pulling the string flat? That's from Eric S., Eric, I think you've got a great idea for your senior thesis here. You should write it. You should do all the research and write it. You should you should research this and then uh, write a book about it, about your research. I don't know. Um, it does. No, I'm just being silly, of course. Yes, it does. The, if you imagine the string as a rubber band, mm-hmm. and if the rubber band were... Um, X inches long mm-hmm. versus more than that inches long, mm-hmm. right? Then they have different elasticities, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So longer string length gives the string a little bit more elastic elasticity. Okay, but aren't the lower string? Oh, reverse in line. Yeah. So what he's talking about uh... is. A reversed headstock where the tuners are on the wrong opposite. side. Opposite, so you end up with a really long low E string and a really short high E string. Because that whole question, I was thinking, what in the hell is he oh, talking yeah. oh, about? Oh, okay, right. Because you don't play guitar. Sometimes I forget you don't. You don't play guitar. You don't. Yeah, you don't sorry. Really know about I know more about guitars than the average player does. I just want to say. No, you do. That's absolutely I true. I just want to say that. You know more about the blues <laughs> than most non-guitar players or most, what's, I don't know, what's what I'm trying to say. What's my equivalent of the blues? What? what? What's something that I like that you think is lame? I don't think the blues is lame. Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Uh, thanks, Eric. Uh, another way to get that tacky PRS faux binding would be to tape off everything you want to dye later, seal the faux binding with shellac, mm. remove the tape, and dye normally. Yeah. The shellac should prevent the... Sh- the Sure. 
uh, from running into the binding area. I have done this on the edge of fretboards to keep them from being dyed. Also, just experimented with the mi- with mixing in mixing dye in the shellac, sanding that back when using water-based dye of another color to get contrasting grain colors. Mm. Cool. That's yeah. from Justin. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks, Justin. Uh, hi, I have a 1966 Strat that I love and I thought it was all original. I've had it since the 90s. Recently, my friend commented that it should have a three position switch. All along, it's had a five position switch. I didn't know what to say. I thought it was stock. When did Fender switch to a five way selector? Is it possible that my Strat was ordered this way? Is it possible a 66 Strat could have a stock five way switch? (laughs) Thanks. That's from Steve. Hi, Steve. <clears throat> I'm glad you like your Strat. That's cool. You've had it since the 90s, man. But that switch is replaced. Uh, F- Fender started using a five-position switch on the Stratocaster, I think, in like 76 or 77. Wow. Late 70s. Up until then, they had three-position selectors, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and you think about that. Like, all those recordings of Hendrix, right? where he's using settings that weren't on the switch on the, you know, the old players, if they were savvy, they would just set the switch in between two settings. And then they knew that they could get that sound with those, that pickup combination. Hmm. In fact, some I've read online that way back in the day, Seymour Duncan used to take apart three way switches and file a notch on each side and get to get a five-way switch. Wow. So, you know, some people maybe were modifying their switches back in the day, but yeah, that there's no way it could have been. I don't think there's any way it could have been custom ordered with a stock five-way switch. It it would have had a three-way selector. Sorry, Steve. Yeah. Hello, Eric and Melissa. Thank you both for making this podcast. I am an acoustic guitar builder, and I don't have a lot of refretting experience. One of my personal guitars is a made-in-Japan Fender Stratocaster from 1996, and the frets are worn in places to about half of their original height, and they need to be replaced. Of course, I will score the polyester finish along the length of the frets and around the ends of the slots before I start removing them. My question is, while I'm pretty sure Fender Japan would have installed these frets straight down into their slots, is there any benefit to driving them out sideways like you would with an old USA Fender? The neck is a one-piece maple with skunk stripe. Which approach is more likely to preserve the edges of the fret slots, removing the frets by pulling them up or driving them out sideways? If the answer is to drive them out sideways, do you use some water and head and head with this method? Thanks, and best to your family. Hmm. Yeah, thank you. Um, th- I'm I'm sure Fender Japan have installed those straight down. Yeah, so uh, I would not take those out sideways. There's no reason to take out a fret sideways, uh. In, unless it was installed that way. And even then, I, sometimes I take them out, you know, straight up. So the only reason I ever take a fret out sideways is on those 70s fenders where the lacquer is, or the poly, is so thick that the fret is like encased on either side. You, you, you can't grab onto that thing with fret pullers. 
it's like impossible. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I would just pull those out like any normal fret. Cool. Don't, don't go sideways with them. Hello. I have installed a switch in my telly to get out and to get an out of phase sound. I really like the sound, but I noticed a pretty loud background hum that isn't there when the pickups are in phase. Is there a way to get both positions to hum cancel or am I stuck with the hum in the out of phase position? That's from Tom. Mm, Sorry, Tom, you are stuck. (laughs) Jeez, We got a lot of bad news this episode. Well, it's, it's a great, yeah, one or the other is going to be hum canceling, not both. So when you're, when you're doing phase in phase and out of phase, one of them will be hum canceling and one of them will not. And sometimes it just depends on how the pickups are wound and what the magnetic polarities are. Sometimes the hum canceling is the out of phase uh, setting. And sometimes the hum canceling is the in phase setting. So it just depends on, on what pickups you've got, but yeah, that's something you'll have to live with. There's no way to get both. You can't have them both be hum canceling. Sorry. Hi, Eric and Mel. On your last episode, you talked about how you guys are coffee snobs. You left me wondering, what's your preferred method of brewing? French press, pour over, plain old automatic drip? Anyways, I thought it would be a fun off topic to discuss on Fret Files. I'll have to check out your new sponsor. Best from John. Cool. Thanks, John. It's funny you should ask. I, You know, I mean... Eric has an obsession. Well... When I tell you I'm a coffee snob, I, I mean, it's my opinion that I am, but uh, I don't know. You tell me. So I refuse to use a coffee maker made after, like, 1970. <laughs> I use old 1950s stainless steel and Bakelite percolators. I have a collection of them. I have probably, you know, five in the basement mm-hmm. in case the one we're using uh, craps out because sometimes they do. Uh, there's a, there's a rheostat in there and the, the yeah. little heating coil in the base. And, uh, the, the reason that I use these coffee makers is that they are in, entirely stainless steel. Everything inside that the coffee touches is stainless steel. And all the new coffee makers, at least, you know, the ones that you get, right? Down just down at the mm-hmm. Bed Bath and Beyond. Yeah, they have plastic parts, and the plastic colors in a bad way the taste of the coffee, especially after the first several weeks. It might make pretty good tasting coffee at first, mm-hmm. but um, stainless steel doesn't hold on to those off flavors. Stainless steel, you can just clean it, and it's just like it the day it was made it's just fresh right right? so i have several old 50s (laughs) percolators and we we have bought new percolators before but they are hard to find with all stainless steel parts they're usually stainless steel with aluminum parts inside yeah there's aluminum parts and they're made in china they're not as good they don't they they just don't work as well the old ones uh the Faberware ones are really good, mm-hmm. and they say made in the USA on the bottom, right? Yeah. I think they're made in, like, New Jersey. <laughs> and they, yeah. It's kind of like the bottom of a uh, 
when you look at the bottom of a Telecaster switch tip and it says Decaware and it's it's Bakelite. <laughs> it's the same deal. It's Bakelite. Yeah. You look at the bottom of the percol- percolator, it says, you know, Farberware ins- yeah. instead of Decaware. Made in New Jersey. Made in the USA. Anyway, that's what I use. I also really like, uh, I have an AeroPress. Mm-hmm. I... Our AeroPress is old enough that it, it tastes off to me now. Does it? Yeah. I hardly ever use that because I I only use that if I'm making like one cup. Right. And I'm not usually making one cup of coffee. I'm making I get enough up, coffee for the day. Yeah. I get up much earlier than Eric and I use a pour over in the mornings. I make yeah. myself one cup of coffee before Eric gets up and then we make a pot of coffee and together. I, I also like pour over, but um, yep, stainless steel. 1950s percolators is what I use. That reminds me, should we do some No, uh, no fooling. Absolutely we should. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Based in Waco, Texas, Apex Coffee Roasters searches the globe for the best coffee beans available, roasting them in-house to unlock the natural aromas and flavors that make each cup an individual experience. Order Apex Coffee online. Fret Files listeners can use the promo code PINUP at checkout to receive 10% off from ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. Hey, life happens. Coffee helps. ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. No fooling. That really is good coffee. I mean, really. You should try it. Mm-hmm. You really should try it. PINUP code, uh, uh, promo code, what am I trying to say? Promo code PINUP. P-I-N-U-P. Let's take a break, shall we? Let's do it. I need one. If you're at all curious about my guitar repair services or my custom guitars, you can check out my websites, ericdaw.com. That's more the repair side of things. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. I would love to help you with that tricky repair or restoration. You know, maybe you don't have somebody in your area, or maybe you've got a very valuable guitar that you don't want to trust to just anybody. And the guitars that I make are at pinupcustomguitars.com. That's pinup, like pinup girl, P-I-N-U-P. I offer worldwide service uh, on repairs. People send me repairs from all over the country and, uh, well, even internationally. And I definitely send guitars all over the world. So if you're curious about what I do and want to learn more, that's how to check it out. ericdaw.com and pinupcustomguitars.com. Hey, guitar nerds. You probably already know that I make custom leather guitar straps. All of my straps are handcrafted from design all the way to completion. You can see examples of my past work on my Instagram account. That's at MelcoLeather. Visit MelcoLeather.com now to get free shipping on orders of $35 or more within the U.S. That's MelcoLeather.com. M-E-L-C-O Leather.com. Eric, you have had the fortune to not only play, but to work on some of the most collectible guitars ever made. Most of us have only read about or seen these in a video. It's true. Thanks for noticing. (laughs) That's nice of you to notice that. Thank you. Our guitars like the 58 and 59 Les Paul, 50 Strats and Tellies, built better than today's custom shop or other boutique guitars. Being a skeptic, I heard you say in an early video that you are not sure about the aging wood or pickup theory. 
My Les Paul is 30 years old and a good one, but I don't see much difference from when it was new. Most say there are good and bad vintage ones. What's your opinion on the workmanship, quality of wood, etc.? It's hard to put your finger on, uh, but there really is a magic, and and it's it's a combination of things. It's craftsmanship. It's how the instrument has aged. It's materials. Um, but it all comes together, and you know it, what you say is true. There's there's good ones and bad ones, but on the whole, uh, the v- the vintage, like you know, the top tier vintage guitars, like like late fifties Les Pauls or you know Fenders from the fifties. Uh, man, they're just they're they are they're just built to uh, to a to a high standard. They're they're amazing. They're kind of breathtaking, and you know, just I I know it sounds it probably sounds. Uh, implausible to people who who haven't handled a, a lot of those guitars but um they're they're magical enough that I've devoted my life to try to recreate some of that magic I mean I could put it that way yeah I mean so certainly there's something there to it you know there's 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 a reason those guitars are so sought after there really is and it's like I say it's a combination of things so Thanks for the question, man. Hi, Eric. What's the best way to deal with a guitar that has a powerful smoke smell? Thanks, Ben. Uh, Ben, this is a question I've had several times, and I'm changing my answer. I really believe that the best way to deal with this is to start smoking. That's right, Montclair cigarettes. I think you should I think you should start smoking <laughs> immediately. Oh yeah. So, I don't know. It's like I say it's a question I get and and it's just you have an odor problem. I'm not an odor specialist. It's like if your tennis shoes were smelly or you have a a car that's that uh, has a dog smell. I don't know. Just because it's a your guitar that smells, it's hard for me to. I don't know. Clean it, right? Okay. Yeah. Clean it. Maybe leave it out in the sun. These B- are the I baking don't know. soda in the case. I Is guess that a so. Thing? I guess so. But then you'd want to vacuum it out. Um. I don't know. I, I just I'm just feeling silly tonight. I'm sorry. Thanks, Ben. But I really don't know. It's a question that I get a lot and. It's very hard to get the smoke smell out of anything, especially guitars. Yeah. Any idea kind of finish was used on a 1972 ovation? I need to do a little touch-up on a headstock repair. That's from Jerry in Minnesota. Uh, My guess is that it's poly, but that's just a guess. Yeah, I can't. I I couldn't say. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. Um, it's one of two things though. Yeah. It's lacquer or poly. And, uh, my guess is that it's poly. You should kind of be able to tell if it's really thick and plasticky, you know, that's, yeah. that's poly. Right. 
Good luck with your ovation, Jerry. Podcast question. Hey, you two. Hope you guys are well. My question is about guitars that have blown your mind. Acoustic and electric. I assume since you've seen so many guitars, are there a few that stick in your mind that you didn't you didn't want to give back? They sounded so good. Also, curious about which type tend to be more consistent overall sound-wise. What is the acoustic and electric and electric that you sh- would be stranded on a desert island with? Perhaps a carbon fiber one so you can catch rainwater for drinking? <laughs> Have you messed with the carbon fiber, fiber guitars like the rain songs? Thanks. That's Chad. That's from Chad in Fall City, Washington. Thanks, Chad. I've I've certainly seen uh, plenty of those, the carbon fiber guitars, and I've worked on a lot of them. I've never owned one. Uh, I don't know. I'm I like guitars made out of wood, so I don't really. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's a simple man. I'm a simple man. I he like likes wood. Shoes made out of leather. Mm-hmm. Guitars made out of wood. I only use coffee makers made prior to 1970. <laughs> And I smoke Montclair's. <laughs> there are a few guitars that stick in my mind as as kind of, uh, you know, standing out. Um, there's a few 50s Fenders that, I've, that I played that I'll always remember. I played several uh, uh, late 50s Les Pauls that, that stick out in my mind. One of the guitars that sticks out in my mind is one that I should have bought and I didn't. It was a 1976 hardtail Strat. And, you know, people put 70s fenders down and, you know, sometimes for good reason. It's hard to find a good one. A lot of them weigh too much. They're too heavy, whatever. This guitar, it must have... I don't know if it was custom-ordered or if it was an employee guitar or what, but it was a 1976 Sunburst Hardtail Strat that was for sale at Emerald City Guitars, and that's my birth year, right? I should have bought it. It was super, super lightweight. It it had bird's-eye maple neck, which you just don't see. You don't see that on a on a factory, you know, run-of-the-mill fender. Um, that's a really rare thing. It was so lightweight. It had a beautiful uh, neck, and it just sounded and played so nice. It it felt like it felt like an early Strat, but it was in 1976, and I should have bought it. Why didn't you? Um, I I don't know. I just I didn't. I just didn't. Was it a long time ago? Was it, it was, before we met? No, it was, you know, it was probably just before our boys were born. You would have thought I was crazy. Hmm. You you would have said, why do you need to buy a $2,000 guitar? Hmm. Or however much money it was. I don't know how much money it was. 3000 I don't know. Yeah, I should have bought that guitar. But yeah, no, there's guitars that always stick out in my mind. Thanks, Chad. I have a slightly annoying sound that I am sure is not fret buzz. It sounds a little different, and it happens even when I fret the string in multiple locations, which I think rules out the nut. It's only on the G string, and it's actually more of a resonating harmonic sound rather than a buzz. I have made sure that the saddles are all even and the screws are not loose, and it appears that all of the screws around the pickups are snug as well. Intonation is dead on is dead on at the 12th fret. 
The guitar is a PRS SE Custom 24 from 2018. Strings are Diodario, and it has continued through several string changes, so I know that the strings are not the issue either. The bridge is a tremolo style, with each string having its own adjustable saddle. I do not even use the tremolo, aside for sometimes setting my palm on it to add a little pressure. It was set up about 18 months ago by a very well-known local luthier, and it has never been dropped or abused in any way. (laughs) Do you have any ideas where I should start looking to hunt this down? Hmm. Thanks, and congrats on over 100 episodes. That's from Scott uh, in Minnesota. Hmm. Thanks, Scott. Well, you've mentioned a lot of the things that I would have uh, considered first, right? Fret buzz, uh, improperly cut nut slot, okay? Mm-hmm. Loose parts, loose saddles, all those things. So, um, I mean, I, if you've double-checked those, I have to take your word for it, right? But... um. Still could be one of those things, but um, sometimes there's parts that are vibrating on a guitar that it's hard to tell where where the vibration's coming from because of the way a guitar amplifies things. So, like a part on the headstock could be vibrating, and it just sounds like it's coming from the mm-hmm. guitar, the body, you know. So check all your hardware, your strap buttons. Everything, tuners, there's ferrules that tighten down from the top on a lot of tuners, and then there's a washer under that. That washer gets loose sometimes. If, you know, anything that can be tightened on your guitar, check it. Anything. Now, there are a few things that sometimes cause this problem that uh, you don't think of right away. One is pickup springs. Underneath your pickup, there's springs. And sometimes those are just at the right tension that they they will vibrate with a certain resonant frequency when you strum a, a certain note or a, mm-hmm. or a certain string. So check those, those springs. The other thing <clears throat> that can cause this a lot is a three-way switch, a toggle switch. Now, I don't know if this, if this is a PRS that has the rotary switch or a toggle switch, but the three-way toggle switch uh, rests in the middle with with tension on it from both sides, and those get fatigued, and sometimes they're just like this from the factory. They're just loose enough that they'll resonate, and because of whatever certain resonant frequency or or only with one particular string or a note, you know, in particular, that will that that switch will resonate and rattle and it it's hard to tell it's coming from the switch you'd swear it was coming from just you know the fretboard or the guitar right but these are the kind of these things can be really hard to track down sometimes it's a wire that's running internally you know a wire that's uh not stranded so like a solid core wire a lot of times you'll see something like that inside a guitar that's rattling. It could be any number of things. I mean, I've had to go through... You could, if you want to get nutty, if you really want to get nutty, you could start taking apart that guitar and see 
if it's any of the parts. You could take out the electronics, you could take out the pickups and just play it there, you know, without mm -hmm. those parts in there. See if it goes away. If you want to get crazy. Jeez. But it's hard to it's hard to track that kind of stuff down, man. So good luck. Those are those are my tips for you. Hi both. Great show. Telecaster wiring question. I'm putting together a Telecaster. Can you give your opinion on your most favorable wiring? Pot size, cap size, treble bleed, number of switch positions, etc. There will be two pickups, a Charlie Christian at the neck and an as yet undecided at the bridge. Maybe you could also recommend something at the bridge to complement slash contrast the CC. Thanks. That's from Andrew in the UK. Hmm. Okay. Thanks, Andrew. Hmm. Okay. Well, with a Charlie Christian pickup, those are really dark sounding. Uh, and so, um, you might want to use one meg pots, but that depends on what you put in the bridge, you know. Do I have any recommendations for something that would complement the Charlie Christian? I gotta be honest with you, I'm not a big Charlie Christian pickup fan. They're, they're, they sound dark, and they hum like crazy. So I'd start there, and I'd probably, you know, if you were just my buddy and we were sitting here drinking a beer, I would actually try to talk you out of that. <laughs> but if you were, uh, you know, a guy writing into a podcast, I guess I have to give my advice. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a dark pickup, so maybe go with a darkish maybe like an overwound or something, you know, bridge pickup, and then go with a, a 500K or one meg pots. Um, for a capacitor, I don't know, 0 0.022, 0 0.015. Uh, what else did he ask? Treble bleed. Nah, I wouldn't put, uh, yeah, well, you know what? I would put a treble bleed on a, I, normally, I don't put a treble bleed cap on on just a standard telly like this, but if you've got a Charlie Christian, that might actually help. That might actually help if you play with the volume control a lot, because, like I said, again, that's that can be kind of a dark-sounding pickup. Thanks, Andrew. Hi, Eric and Mel. I have a question about telly neck pockets. I remember Eric mentioning a neck pocket should really be tight. I recently bought a 70th anniversary broadcaster that has a loose pocket. The opening is so wide that I can insert a thin pick there. I don't have any issues with the neck or the action. My question is, is there something that should be done to avoid potential problems? I'm more of an if it ain't broke, don't fix it type. But what is your suggestion here? Thanks. That's from Aaron from Turkey. Thanks, Aaron. You know, it's interesting that they did this. Uh, you're right. I kind of like, you know, when it's possible, I like to have a tight fit on the neck pocket. Okay. But the early, early fenders, we're talking about, you know, broadcasters and no casters. They actually had kind of a sloppy fit in the neck pocket. Really? Yeah, they didn't really get that dialed in super tight for for several months, if not, you know, a year or so. But, um, so as far as being historically correct, <laughs> this is actually 
uh, how they were. So, you know, it's not the kind of thing that, it's not the kind of thing that's a deal breaker for me. Okay. Neck pocket fit. As long as I'm like, if I'm making a guitar, I try to make a good neck pocket fit because I think that it probably helps, you know, transfer string vibration, right? But if I fell in love with a guitar and it played and sounded great, I'm not going to let a gap in the neck pocket bother me. Now, if it doesn't sound great, if it doesn't play great, if you don't love the guitar, then I guess, you know, then there's that, right? right. But if it's a guitar you love, man, I just, I, I just would forget about it. I would just forget about it. He says he doesn't have any issues with the neck or the action. Yeah, Is there something that can be done to avoid potential problems? No, it's not a problem. It's just not a problem. It's just something that guys, guys get picky about. Like, oh, what a sloppy fit. But yeah. that's how the early ones were. So it's actually kind of cool that they did that. Not, you know, in a way, yeah. it's, it's actually histori- historically accurate. So they might have done that on purpose. I don't know. But it's possible. Maybe not. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks, Aaron. Hey, man. I hope you guys are well. What do you know about stellar tone tone shifter pots? My tone pot goes from dark to wide open, from zero to three. From three to ten, it sounds the same. Thoughts? That's from Fred. Thanks, Fred. I, I know nothing about a stellar tone tone shifter pot. There's certain products. You know, see, somebody's going to get there. Every time I have some snarky comment, somebody gets their feelings hurt. So I'll try not to. What I will tell you is if your tone pot is doing that, if all of the action is down on one side and then it does nothing from, you know, 3 to 10, um, then you might have a linear pot in there where, where you should have an audio pot. Mm. That's that's th- those will do that. So um, check that. You know that it's the taper, logarithmic or linear. Uh, they'll they'll sound different, right? And your ear, your ear. I can't talk tonight. <laughs> your ear hears in a logarithmic pattern, so uh, they actually sound more natural to us rather than a straight linear pot. So I think you've got a linear tone pot, just judging from your description. I don't know anything about this, uh, whatever that was you mentioned. Stellar tone tone shifter. Whatever that thing that you read about on that forum. I don't know what that is. But uh, use a good audio tone pot, and I think your, uh, your problems will be solved, and you won't have to buy a $30 tone pot that does it for today's show we appreciate you listening and uh, participating if you'd like to participate in the show you can do that by going to my website ericdaw.com that's E-R-I-C D-A-W dot com click the contact link and send in your question or comment there the other way to do it is call or text 757-774-8482 that number is 757 774-8482. Thanks. Good night.